Hello and welcome to Are You a Weezer Fan? As always, I'm John, here with Bill. There's a black album? The show that brings you the chronological story of Weezer history, music, and lore. Bill, what are we doing today? Holy crap, we are about to start the saga of the Green Album. Man, yeah, I thought this was going to get easier after Blue and Pinkerton. Um, this research phase has it, this. This isn't going to get any easier for us, Bill. Well, it might have gotten easier if we considered Pinkerton Fallout to be part of Pinkerton, because we got a lot to deal with. Yeah, we really do, kind of ahead of time, uh, because we left our last chapter. Uh, at the end of Pinkerton, in a very weird spot for Weezer. Um, we have uh, the very tragic deaths of the head of our fan club. We have Matt Sharp leaving. We have Mikey Welsh coming in. We have an album that has done very poorly. Um, we have almost no activity for two years. Yeah, and uh, Bill, you did a pretty hefty deep dive into what happened in those couple of years. What, what were you able to come up with? Well, yeah, I mean, it is all fairly linear and it, it all makes sense. I feel like there was maybe some jumping around with Pinkerton, but I think everything's kind of straightforward with um, our cast of characters like uh, Matt Sharp leaving. It, it seemed abrupt at the time. And when we covered it in that last series, it made a lot of sense. There was build yeah. up. Um, but the buildup actually ended on good terms, which I didn't really see coming. Like, uh, straight up, he left because he essentially had to choose between Weezer and the rentals. And also, their Weezer didn't have anything coming up. There were no Weezer prospects at the time. Yeah, it was kind of an easy choice for him. You yeah. know, like the rentals, which was more of his creative vehicle in which he's doing the songwriting and is more up front and center in this band. Um, yeah, I mean, they weren't selling blue album numbers, but they had videos on MTV. They were doing all right. Right. And at that point in time, they were active, whereas exactly. Weezer was kind of dead. Is. So, you know, it was, it was a pretty easy choice for him at that time, I imagine. Right, but so he he essentially, I believe, comes to the band and says he's leaving. But within, I mean, I guess there's not really a break because when Rivers is kind of winding down from Weezer for the time, he starts up the Rivers Cuomo band, and he also mm -hmm. starts up a side project called Homie, which features Matt Sharp and also Greg Brown of Cake. They don't do much. They record and right. release one song properly. Okay. It's called American Girls, and it comes out on the Meet the Deedles soundtrack, which we really don't need to get into, don't have to get into. Okay, yeah. The most I'll give you that kind of sums up maybe why Homie didn't go anywhere. Uh, Meet the Deedles had a budget of $24 million, and it made $4 million. Okay. So yeah. the, their only release was on a bomb. Uh, so Homie kind of dissolved... And uh, uh, Matt kept going through with the rentals. He was gearing up to release their next album called Seven More Minutes. And while Rivers was in Boston looking for a new bass player, he was hanging out with Matt and they actually wrote a song together for the rentals album called uh, My Head is in the Sun. Okay. Interesting. So yeah, like even though during the Pinkerton cycle, the relationship between Matt and the band seemed really, really tumultuous. Like at that time, though, 
it really wasn't even a huge deal. Like, you know, Rivers and Matt were totally chill. They were hanging out in Boston while the search for Mikey was happening. Rivers was writing music with him. So at the very least, it was amicable, which, like, makes sense, but also kind of doesn't based off of kind of what we saw during that Pinkerton cycle. I mean, what we know? S- I feel like what we saw is Matt going like, hey, man, like, if this is going to be my main band, we need to not make stupid decisions that it's going to kneecap our albums. And Rivers is like, well, I'm an artist, so I'm going to do what I want. And Matt's yeah. just like, okay, so if that's the case, I'm going to go do this band that I have that's doing decent, and you can do what you want, Rivers. Like, no, no worries. Like, it was straight up like, no worries. Like, that's how it is, so I'm going to go do my thing. Right, yeah. All right. Well, but, Bill, this is a Weezer show. Matt Sharp is not in Weezer anymore at this point yeah. in time. What, what are the other boys up to? Yeah, well, that's kind of our grand send-off to Matt, but he did kind of help with uh, keeping people sane at this point. I mean, Brian Bell still is working with, uh, what was his project, Space Twins? Uh, yeah, Space Twins. They, I don't think they ever played any shows or did any tours or anything, but um, well, speaking a lot of, of demos during this time. Yeah, well, speaking of which, Patrick Wilson's uh, project, Special Goodness, hadn't played any shows until this hi- hiatus. He finally went out and wrangled up a band and kind of started tracking stuff and put out a Special Goodness album. Okay, yeah, we got a Special Goodness album and a few shows, it seems. Um, so kind of, you know, amidst all this Weezer hiatus stuff, um, all these guys are kind of doing their stuff. Yeah, um, well, uh, except Rivers. Rivers is having problems. He ends homie. He only does like three shows with the Rivers Cuomo project. From what we can tell, he gets braces on his teeth, right? Yeah. Uh, no, it, it <laughs> seems like, uh, I mean, he's still got the like leg thing going on. I think that brace might still be happening or that More might than, be off, but it also seems like he got braces on his face. Yeah. And for some reason that is part of this depression that people bring up. He, he gets out of Boston pretty much after, after he does his little bass player scouting, he finds Mikey, he moves mm-hmm. back to LA, um, and goes insane or just becomes a moody bitch. What what's going on here? Uh, he starts. I mean, we've talked about him kind of like as a mad scientist a little bit. Um, at yeah. this point in time, like he is it's a little dramatic, though. Uh, yeah, but <clears throat> he is collecting notebooks that he is writing mainly at this time about uh, Nirvana and Oasis, attempting to. Uh, make their songwriting into a formula because if he can find the formula, then he can write his own formula (laughs) and then he can become quote, a songwriting machine. He wants to steal the songs they haven't written yet. Essentially. Yeah. Where it's just like, you know, he kind of thinks that Nirvana and Oasis have figured out a way to like write a perfect song. And if I can just figure out what the fuck that is, then I can make that sound like Weezer. Okay, and but then do, I can just crank out hit after hit after hit after hit. But so, to, to, to do that, why do you need to paint your walls black in your apartment and black out your windows? I don't get it. I mean, I heard that he was writing the songs on the walls, so I'm not sure if the walls were blacked out or just like scrawled over like a an equally crazy person. I'm completely with you. Like I'm, I think it's a very interesting kind of weird thing, but, um, I mean, he can be, know, he can be a dramatic boy, I guess he's not hurting anyone. Yeah. Whatever. 
Uh, well, maybe he is hurting someone. He, he might you know have what? been hurting you know somebody. What? Fucking he segue. uprooted the life of a man. We are pretty good at podcasting with segues hey. like that. Uh, but yeah, Mikey Welsh has moved to Los Angeles to be the bassist of Weezer. And like, that's weird because what the fuck is Weezer? Weezer's not doing anything. It took um, about a whole year, just shy of a year, for these first goat punishment shows to happen, if you remember from the last episode. And in those shows, they weren't even playing Weezer songs. Patrick Wilson wasn't on drums, right. and nobody knew it was Weezer until the second night. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no music being written. This poor man has just been... he. Well, there is music being written. Rivers is writing a lot of music. And Mikey is attempting to contribute. He sends some riffs to Rivers at this point in time. And Rivers doesn't end up using any of them yeah, on no, the Green Yeah, no, because Rivers doesn't take music from other... Well, Rivers might take music from other people, but he doesn't take songwriting suggestions. Yeah. Um, but, but some of that stuff <laughs> does end up getting used later by uh, his former bandmate, Juliana Hatfield. Well, that's another thing, too. It's not like uh, Mikey just didn't have anything going on. He left that band of Juliana Hatfield, which was like a steady gig. To do Weezer. It's a lot. I don't know. Uh, here, we'll, we'll do a quick rundown of Mikey to give him the... Uh, he deserves as much treatment as anyone else that has been in this band. Mikey was born on April 20th, 420 deep, uh, 1971 in Syracuse, New York. So, okay, like, so we got more East like Coast almost, connections. Yeah, almost everybody band. in this band started East Coast and then went to L.A. for a reason or another. Huh. Uh, but yeah, he was pretty much like really steady working at bass. He was in Juliana Hatfield's band. He did a couple other bands at the time. Like there's a reason he got suggested by... A boss tone. I still don't think we know which boss tone. Right. I mean, regardless of who it was, that's somebody at the time that is like in the upper echelon of local Boston musicians to be recommending this dude as just like, yo, this is the guy that I would recommend to play with Weezer, who is a platinum, a double platinum artist at this point. You yeah. Know? Um, but I mean, so, yeah, I think that lends itself to when Rivers needed to fill a spot. He was trying things out with the Rivers Cuomo band and went right to Mikey. And then, yeah, after they audition him enough, uh, they give him the job and he flies out to L.A. And like you said, just uproots his entire life because he's born in New York, lived in Boston. Now he's uh, on the mean streets of Los Angeles. So then, Bill, there's got to be an impetus because I'm showing that Pat Wilson is doing the special goodness more than he ever has before. I'm showing Brian Wilson, uh, Brian Bell, rather, uh, has a side project, Space Twins, going on. I'm showing Mikey Welsh really wants to start Weezer, but really doesn't have a leg to stand on in any of that. And Rivers is just holed up writing crazy amounts of music. Uh, what fucking kick-started Weezer? Yeah, so you and me were kind of lost on this. And still might be lost, I'm 90% sure... This is the order of events that makes Weezer Weezer again. Around the summertime of 1999, because if you're booking a big festival, you have to book way ahead of time to make these things happen, especially back then when you right. know, communication was a little bit slower. We're 99, you know, we're getting there. River, uh, Weezer gets offered a show at the Summer Sonic Festival in Japan because Japan does love Weezer. Okay, so then timeline-wise, in 1999, roughly, 
summer to late 1999, they're going to be offered to play this show in summer of 2000 in Japan. Right. Because so we're already two years of no shows, no concrete songs being written. Nothing's going on until they get offered this show in Japan. Big, big festival. Like it's a. uh, let's see how quickly I can pull this up. If we don't have to kill the air, that'd be cool. Here we go. All right, I got a flyer. Big Festival, Green Day's headlining. James Brown's there. Ben Folds 5, Weezer, 311. Uh, oh, Muse is on here, but they're really tiny. That's cute. Oh. But like uh, Flaming Lips, like it's it's a really good-sized festival okay. for them to get out and yeah, play. Yeah, absolutely. At, especially after a couple of years of hiatus, um, to be asked to do that, like... Yeah, that, that's that's, our, a, that's a reason to get the band back together, do some rehearsals. Yeah, that's and already if the, you're going to say yes, let's do this. First boost of confidence is they want us. Cool. They start to gear up for this. Um, they book a small string of shows, and they're they, they kind of set a date where they're like, "Cool, we want a, a club date in L.A. to be like kind of the return of Weezer." But they they schedule these warm up shows before that club date, kind of in secret, like they don't want to tell anybody about it, right? Right when they're getting ready to do these, they get a call from the Warp Tour. And Warp Tour says, hey, we would love to have you guys on a string of shows. Like, whatever works for you. They end up doing about seven days or so. Uh, so not a particularly long Warp Tour run no, for bands that Warp Tour. Well, I mean, a lot, there are a lot of bands that just hop on Warp Tour whenever they can. There are bands right. that do all three months straight through. But they were really nervous about the Warp Tour shows. They thought that a bunch of punks, especially because at this time it's still like no effects, slag wagon, gutter mouth. Like it's still a pretty punk affair. Mm-hmm. And they think that the crowd's just going to hate them and they're going to like throw shit at them and just have a bad time. But now that they're like, it happens really quick. They're announced as one of the bands on Warp Tour. And I believe this is where they take those small club shows leading up to their bigger L.A. one. And they're like okay, these are Weezer shows. We're not going to hide behind Goat Punishment. We're going to play a string of Weezer shows. We're going to get Matt warmed up to how everything feels. M- Mikey. Matt Mikey, I hate that. We're going to get Mikey warmed up to how things feel being in the band, and then we'll we'll announce that Weezer's here, like has arrived in this show, and we'll go straight into Warp Tour. And something happens. They don't get booed off stage at Warp Tour. They don't get shit thrown at them. They get one of the best receptions they've had people are fucking hyped for weezer to be there <laughs> amongst all these other like punk bands like people are so fucking stoked on that weezer 2000 yeah. warp tour set well, and something that really strikes them is you know to make a set list they're still playing pinkerton songs the crowd loves songs off of pinkerton what keeps getting brought up is that weezer themselves didn't really notice the internet following that they started to get because we're in 99, the internet's accessible. It's not what it is now, but like they're, they start to get uh, fan pages made and different like message boards pop up that are just talking about, hey, Pinkerton's actually really good. Like, Why didn't this sell this well? And then we're already a whole new generation. We're in 1999, 2000. The first album came out in 94. Generations musically go really quick. So Yep, absolutely. And then they go off a of Warp Tour they filled a couple more dates up until they have to get to Japan. And then they play the Japanese festival and the crowd goes fucking crazy. And that Japanese festival set, uh, most of it, if not all of it is available on YouTube and is definitely worth the watch. Yeah. Um, Summer Sonic festival. They just kill it. it. It's amazing. And 
it gives them the confidence boost to be like, holy shit, we should probably just do Weezer again. Because right now they're still, they haven't talked to their label <laughs> since the Pinkerton tours kind of fluttered out. Yeah. Uh, and this is when we get into, uh, first, thank you so much, Carl Cook, for keeping <laughs> such really, really good notes of this phase because it made my research incredibly fucking easy. Uh, the timeline's going to get really tight here. Yeah, really quick, because they, they play a couple more shows in Japan that aren't just this festival. Mm-hmm. But so their last show in Japan is on August 10th. Yes. And then they head back to the U.S. They take a couple weeks off. Um, but during that couple weeks, during that couple weeks, we need a third album is what Weezer says to Weezer. Yes. Uh, Weezer is going to the label. They're just like, look, it's happening. We're doing this. And they do actually threaten, uh, like, look, we're going to start recording in October with or without a producer. The label doesn't like that. They see what's just been happening on the tour. And the (laughs) fact that like, they do actually have a shitload of demos that they're like, fine, get a producer, whatever. Uh, August, by like mid-August, by August 18th for sure, they are taking meetings with producers. Yeah. But then after some of those meetings, you know, scheduling availability, people can't do it, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, again, uh, they tried to get the producer of Enema of the State. I'm blanking on the name right Jerry now. Finn. Thank you. R.A.P. Uh, but I mean, they don't want a producer. Like, oh no, they don't. But the, the label just, is the pretty much like, demanding. It no, again. we saw Pinkerton. We saw the numbers. You produce it yourself. We're not doing that again. Yes, but after taking some meetings that don't go great, they actually go back on tour for another quick leg. That leg runs from August twenty third to September seventeenth. One of those shows is incredibly fucking important because on the first night of this yeah, tour, wait, they're one playing of those New shows, York City. Yeah, it's the first show the of this The first tour. show. New York City on August 23rd, 2000. Weezer is playing in New York City and they run into friend of the pod, Rick Ocasek. I don't know if he can be friend of the pod if we keep saying his last name wrong. <laughs> I mean, I'm Harsh, gonna, but fair. I'm going to keep calling him okay, but fair. But same, so am I. But uh, regardless, Rick Ocasek is at this show. Yeah, and they're like, Weezer oh. is looking for a producer. Yeah, you know, if this like. isn't serendipity, I don't know what is. All Weezer does is just get these lucky, random happenstances, and then it makes amazing selling albums platinum selling out because you saw that somebody was quoted as saying just like after the show like okay sick in the band we're talking and like everybody looked fucking stoked about it and it's just like yeah okay this is amazing uh so now we are at like the beginning of this u.s leg of this kind of we're back with weezer and we're happy about it tour so let's do a u.s leg on our own it starts off with the best fucking news you can possibly get rick okasic is down to come back and work with us they do some shows until mid-September, just killing it. And then they take a bit off, um, presumably between this like mid-September and when we get back to it. They're just writing and demoing. and Yeah, you know, I think that's the important part. They, they have months of tour with a third album in mind, and they start writing. And Rivers has been writing. So at this point, writing. we've got like over 120 demos at this point in like yeah. September. Um so I'm going to burn through this quick because the timeline gets very tight. October 5th, 2000, uh, Weezer's Christmas EP is announced. Uh, as well on that same date, Rivers gets braces off. Uh, the face braces are done on October 5th, 2000. Confidence up. 
October 23rd. Uh, that was the date that they had threatened their studio with. We're going to record with or without a producer because they've gotten a producer that they are happy with. This day comes and goes without any recordings. November 6, Carl announces to the fans that uh, Interscope still has not actually approved this new Weezer album. They're working on it and they're hyped on it, but it's happening. Uh, three days later, Carl announces that Rico Kasich has officially signed on to be on this album that Interscope Geffen has still not actually officially <laughs> signed off on. Less than a week later, November 15th, Carl announces to the fans online that the third album has been greenlit and recording will start in December. At this point in time, the recordings have been whittled down to 75 potential tracks to be on this third album. Jesus. So we've gone from 120 plus to 75 at this point in time. I wonder if uh, Carl announcing Rick as a producer before it's greenlit was kind of a power play. Oh, I totally think so, and yeah. I love it. Yeah. Like, like, you don't well, say no to that. Yeah, like, Rick O'Case is producing this album, whether it's at Interscope or not. That's up to them. Uh, <laughs> right, I mean, because, like, isn't that a big thing with, like, movie trailers? Like, you know, from the people that brought you this. It's, like, mm, from yeah, the yeah. motherfucker that brought you the double platinum blue album. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, get back in the studio. Uh, so, getting back to this, we got 75 songs. Uh, late November, November 19th, we are going to finish the Christmas CD. It's done. Uh, December, moving into December of 2000, uh, Rico Kasich on December 10th arrives in LA at this point per Carl Cook, 25 plus songs still remain to be selected for this album. And then we take a break, play some goat punishment shows. Yeah. Again, it's weird. They step out of it and they go, all right, we're doing two goat punishment shows, secret shows. Yep. And then immediately after that, they do two Weezer, Weezer shows. shows. Yeah. Like. I don't know. So you're right because this is I, an interesting I don't break in get the timeline. Goat punishment. Yet. <laughs> I'm not I don't sure know I do why either. it's happening. Yeah, but it's fun. I want to go to one. Yeah, it's fun. Maybe I need to like really look at the capacities of these clubs. Maybe this is like a bar. I'm not sure. Right, because like I still I'm thinking like a 400 capacity venue versus like a 60 capacity bar. Right, and like that's a very very different place to see a Weezer show. Exactly. Um, and but yeah, just uh just to clarify you. If you're listening to us by this point, you know we do a touring episode for each album. Sure sounds like we're talking about touring a lot uh, for a non-touring episode, but there are three years to fill before this album happens. Yes. And a lot of this writing happens on tour, and for some reason they keep breaking from recording to go play more shows. I, I don't understand. But. Right. So this is essentially, like, this is part of the recording process. These shows are happening after Rick Ocasek has flown across the country mm -hmm. to meet them in L.A. and they're workshopping stuff. Uh, they haven't hit the studio yet. So presumably they're workshopping stuff with Ocasek, doing more demos and stuff before actually getting into their studio block. And as they're doing this, the guys say, well, like, it's not that great to workshop it in a garage. We should probably workshop this shit on stage. So yeah. they play some shows in the middle of this. Uh, December 19th, they break for Christmas. At this point, officially 25 songs remain. Two days later, December, or sorry, two days after Christmas, December 27th, uh, Weezer officially begins work on the Green Album. They're working at Cello Studios in Los Angeles. Okay, pre-production pre is over. We're now recording. Let's take a break to play a Go Punishment show. <laughs> I don't understand. Well, they, they don't take a break because they hit it hard. 
27, 28, 29, and 30. They are in the studio knocking out tracks. After they knock out some tracks on the 30th, they go play a Goat Punishment show because they're warming up for a big-ass New Year's Eve show with uh, New Found Glory and Blink-182 yeah. that yeah, they're playing fair. the next night. That's a really big one. Blink is, on our scale of a uh, largest band in the world, Blink is... Oh there. yeah, I mean they tried the to get uh, the Enema the State producer for this album. Yeah, OG. so yeah. It, so regardless, here we are now in the early early stages of 2001. Uh, on January 6, 2001, oh, man, remember when that date wasn't shitty? <laughs> uh, uh, Interscope Geffen record label execs meet with Weezer in the studio, and they're not happy. And a fight ensues. There's a uh, there's a really fun interview quote where uh, the interviewer brings up, "Well, yeah, we heard that the studio like wasn't happy with them. What was wrong with it?" And uh, the response is, uh, I believe it comes from Pat. He says, "Well, uh, it sucked." And then he said, "The interviewer says, well, what did you do to change it?'" And he said, "We stopped sucking." And I believe right here is where uh, we stop sucking. Well, we've also cut six songs. We're down to 19. Five days later, uh, January 11th, 2001, uh, the studio floods. There's no damage to anything in Weezer's room, thank goodness. Uh, And at this point, two songs have been cut. So, uh, And when I say two songs have been cut and we're at 17 at the very end stages of this, I really mean that we're at 14 with three songs that are like still being moved forward with, but it's pretty much known that they're not going to make the cut. Um, because 20 days later, January 31st, the band uh, begins mixing and finalizing in Miami, Florida. So in between the 11th and the 31st, we don't really have much, but that's when we go down from like the 17, which is kind of 14 down to the 10 that actually make the album. Yes. Um, and then once we get to January 31st, all the way through February 10th, we are mixing, mastering, finalizing all the post-production, everything that we need to do to make the green album complete. February 10th, 2001 is when the last edits were done on Weezer's green album. Wonderful. Can't wait until May for everybody to hear these songs. Uh... I got something for you, Bill. Oh, great, because I'm waiting until May. I still have three whole months until I hear this album. Nope, because this entire album leaks, plus uh, four extra tracks, the B-sides. So um, they're different versions. They're not the album versions of a lot of the songs. A lot of them are leaked with uh, their earlier titles as well, so like their early workings, but... The entire Green Album leaks. Ooh, you were saying we don't know, like, who leaked them, actually? Fucking Carl. Fucking <laughs> Carl. <laughs> but let's just say, though, it's someone that Allegedly. had access to them from January 31st to February 10th during this mixing process. That has to be it. I think that's entirely reasonable. They would have been, like, yeah. the band probably wouldn't have been there for most of it. Yep. And somebody could have just been like, yoink, putting yeah. this on the internet. Huh. Well, even though the avid Weezer fan got to listen to them for a couple months beforehand in the uh, raw, unmastered, unproduced versions that they were at that point in time. The Green Album releases May 15th, 2001. Right in the middle of more touring. The second they're done, well, maybe not the second, let's give it 20 days 
um, from when they're done recording it. They start another U.S. tour in April. They head back to Japan for a bit. They play a Coachella date in April 28th. And then the Hoop Detour begins May 8th, which they're just going to keep touring for the rest of the year. Fuck's sake. All right, well, we're going to get into that much more in-depth during the touring episode. But, uh, Bill, let's listen to some Weezer. Oh, thank God. That sounds lovely. Track one, Don't Let Go. And welcome back to Rico Kasich produced Weezer. Am I right? That is so catchy. Holy hell! Um, yeah, if uh, you listen to Pinkerton and you wanted more of the Blue Album, uh, here you go. I was I. We were just saying that, uh, before we came back to recording that I thought this part was going to fly by. I think we have to talk for a second, and then we can continue to fly by. Okay. Because we have yet to bring up that one of the reasons that. Uh, Pinkerton was perceived to have flopped was because of the personal, emotional, sometimes creepy lyrics of Rivers Cuomo. Right. We have taken the furthest step away from that on track one, and we will continue continue to do so for the whole album. 100%. We are not personal. We are bubblegum. That is one of the, I mean, we had talked about this a little bit. It might have been on or off record during the Pinkerton cycle, but really green especially but kind of the rest of Weezer's career post Pinkerton feels almost a response to how shitty the reception to Pinkerton made Rivers feel yes I I don't think we quite drove it home that the songs he wanted to write for this new album would not be about him would not be personal he would not be vulnerable he will just write bubblegum lyrics over catchy goddamn melodies get his old producer back and go back to the formula that went triple platinum eventually. Yeah. Um, and you know, spoiler alert, this album goes platinum pretty quickly. True. It worked and it really does work. Like these lyrics, these lyrics specifically are nonsense. Like they really are. Like when you start to break them down, there's not a story. They don't go anywhere. They're like, I mean, River said that he wrote this song very quickly. I mean, he just started strumming some chords and singing. One word comes out after another. And then all of a sudden he's got a song. Yeah. It's very just like, uh, Oh, what's that word? When you just do the things association, he's like word associating with himself, which is also, I mean, songs are in this way. Dream on by Aerosmith. One of the biggest classic rock songs of all time. When you ask Steven Tyler, what's it about? He says nothing. It's just words. I just started singing something that sounded good and it sounded good. Yeah. That's where we're at for this song. And, uh, that song rules bill. It does. And it's going to be stuck in my head until we get to the next song. Cause okay. that's going to be stuck. In my head. Well, Hey, then couple notes before we jump into the next song. Um, we've got a lyric on this song that actually made it out from an outtake from the green era called no way. Uh, we've got some Rick Ocasek background vocals Ooh, on don't let go. Interesting. That, that's fun. Yeah. Credited for background vocals. I mean, he did that as well on blue. He popped uh, into the studio for a couple of credits. I know um, we only deal with him as a producer on this show. So, you know, sometimes I forget that he was the cars. Yeah. I mean, the man knows his way around. Yeah. He, yeah. he knows what he's doing. Uh, okay. And then the big thing, cause I want to track this on this album and it's something we've been talking about before. Something we're going to talk about a lot moving forward. Track one, we get a guitar solo that is the vocal melody. Yep. 
You've got 10 tracks on this album. Let's see how many times it happens. We are in the formula. All right. Uh, Bill, anything else you've got before we just jump into track two? No, let's go into a photograph. Photograph, one of my favorites. This album's two for two, Bill. It is. I just made myself sad, though. Why is that? Well, that song ends with a bunch of cheering and clapping and party sounds. Yeah. Michael and Carly totally would have been on that. Oh, fuck you, dude. I know. I'm sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> now we all get to be sad. That's not what this show's about. Cut uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> I do think uh, I'll like backtrack immediately. I feel like this song is kind of about Rivers and Weezer trying to rebuild Weezer. Well, and that's something that was kind of talked about. I feel like I read that somewhere where it's just like, oh, yeah, like it's uh, okay. Yes. So right here from Rivers. uh, And this is actually a relatively newer quote. Uh, It's about a young man who has been through some recent failures, uh, trying to cheer him up. Obviously, me writing to myself. Uh, so every time you hear the word you, it's really I. So like, but that, I that's just be- kind of back to the same thing. You know yourself, Rivers. Uh, right. I got you. So it's, it, it's one of those, you know, just like we were talking about earlier, where it's just like, oh, you know, I don't want anything to be personal. I want everything to just kind of be general and relatable uh, and, you know, not something that's super introspective. But even when he's doing that, it's just kind of like, yeah, like, you know, the kind of thinly veiled. Yeah, it is, though, and I think that might be the difference. He's not talking about literally singing about walking around with a cane. He's singing about, oh, if you want something and you fail, you should, you know, try again. Right. A a much more relatable thing. Um, But, yeah, just a catchy-ass tune on that one. Um, That one was the third single on this album, so we are going to come back around to it later. But, Bill, unless you got anything else, I think we... uh I would just jump into... I think I do got something, Joe. What do you, what do you got on Photograph? No, no, no. I got my hash pipe. A hash pipe, track three. All right, Bill, what do you want to get into first? Uh, just to how much we love that song or everything we got to talk about on that song? Oh, there's a lot. That's the first Weezer song I ever heard. And that was my introduction to Weezer. And it hits okay. Weezer falsetto. It hits a guitar solo that does the vocal melody. Yep. Uh, number two on the album. Shit, did I miss Photograph? What are you doing? We're on number three. I know, but does Photograph have that solo that's a single? Ah. I, I, didn't pay, I, I didn't pay attention. Shit. Might be number two. Might be number three. Who that's knows? what you get for trying to do something, John. Ah, fuck's sake. Uh, the argument about this song being the first single apparently delayed the album by like a month. It was supposed to come out in April, and Rivers okay. was just so adamant that Hashpipe be the lead single. Because Hashpipe wasn't the lead single everywhere. I missed this on Photograph. That was the lead single in Japan, uh, was Photograph. Yeah, which does seem Hashpipe. like a safer choice. Seeing as how it's they absolutely had to, a safer choice. Especially at the time, they had to censor most of the song. You couldn't say Hashpipe on the radio or MTV. Right. 
Um, so it's, I'm, I'm going to do this and it makes me sad because I was all ready to have the very obvious conversation about the lyrics of Hashpipe and the ambiguity about the lyrics of Hashpipe. But now here I am on Weezerpedia uh, and I'm reading this little caveat that they have. I've got my what wide? It is presently, uh, it is not presently possible to verify some of these lyrics due to a lack of verifiable sources, (laughs) insufficient fidelity of audio, or mumbled vocal delivery. We encourage users to accept this ambiguity and refrain from attempting to guess. That is straight from Weezerpedia, Bill. Weezerpedia is telling us that they don't have the lyrics and they don't want us to guess. So therefore, we're not going to do it. That's That's just a great song. It's about what you want it to be about. The lyrics are whatever you want them to be. It definitely is reminiscent of 53rd and 3rd by the Ramones because I do believe somebody is turning tricks and uh, hooking on a corner. Mm -hmm. And uh, isn't there, is it verifiable that it used to be crack pipe and he toned it down to hash pipe? Is that a true story? I I have heard that story so many times. I I looked so hard and I couldn't find anything about it. So now I'm kind of sad that you brought it onto the show because I was just going to leave that out because it's unverifiable information. Well, yeah, but it's it's the half-baked joke where if you're addicted to crack, you're more willing to do certain activities just to make money. Yeah. But... Here I was trying to not have this conversation as per the wishes of Weezerpedia. But the half-baked joke goes, you ever suck dick for weed? Jesus Christ. (laughs) <laughs> and you like suck dick for Weezer Bill. Uh well we might get there. Yeah, but like it, there. but hash pipe as like an addictive substance doesn't really work with the rest of the song. So it would it make sense right. that it'd be something else. Completely agree. Um because we know I do we know if Rivers is a uh, marijuana user? We know he'd like to pop pills and drink tequila. Well, and that's the weird thing with the song too. Because um, he's got a quote, like, during this time, he was doing some drugs and drinking, as rock stars do. But, like, he wasn't, like, partying or anything like that, really. He was, uh, like, having one pill of Ritalin and then taking three shots of tequila and then going outside and sitting in a chair and closing his eyes and imagining a song. <laughs> yeah. And that was part of his songwriting process. Like, what the fuck is that? But uh, it gave us hash pipe. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll circle back around to it. If uh, in the bullshit, we'll, we'll get to the bottom. If uh, rivers is smoking the weeds or not. I mean, definitely not since 2003, but in 2001, reasonably 2000, reasonably. Um, it's great. I love that riff. Um, Bill, you said it was your first Weezer song. It may have been mine. I honestly don't remember what my first official Weezer song was. Is it your favorite? Because it, it might be my favorite Weezer song of all time. It is not my favorite Weezer song. Okay. Uh, this is a conversation we will actually finalize 100 plus episodes from now. <laughs> True. Um, but, you know, something to keep in mind. Um, all right, Bill. I know what one of your least favorite Weezer songs is, I think. I... I mean, it's probably my least favorite, like, massive hit Weezer song. And uh, by massive hit, we do mean... The um, most played Weezer song on Spotify by yeah. Miles and Miles and Miles. Track four, Island of the Sun. Island of the Sun. We'll be playing. 
All right, so I want to apologize for what I said leading into that track because <laughs> that fucking ripped. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so really, I think what I've come to on that listen is uh, just like with all the bands that I really care about and love, when they've got like that one big single, it's typically like the one that you're just like, oh man, but like, why is this one so big when it should be like something else where it's just like, it's nothing against the song because that's a magnificent song. But if there was one song that, you know, one Weezer song that I wish got as much like play and it just had as much staying power as Island in the Sun, I wish it would have been something I like a little bit more. But I think Island in the Sun's like one of the closest throwbacks to blue that might ever happen again. It's got the acoustic guitar, which we really didn't hear after Jason left the band. Acoustic guitar strumming, little yep. plucky lead melody, catchy as fuck vocals. Again, our guitar solo that does the verses. We do. Um, but we also have something that's brand new to Weezer on this song. This song fades out. Ooh, yes. This song doesn't end. You yeah, know how much I hate fades, fade outs. And this is the first uh, studio Weezer fade out. Hmm. I wonder if... Now I'm interested if they ever fade out again. Maybe it's the only one. I, I highly doubt that. <laughs> They've made many an album since 2001. Um, but yeah, like that, a very uncharacteristic of Weezer. Um and for, I mean, at least at this point, but for a song that does feel, you know, very much the kind of uh, definition of this, like, polished bubblegum that they're going for right now, uh, to also have the fade out feels a little bit on the nose and a little bit of a detraction for the song for me. Mm -mm, perfect. Nah, the song's like a 9 out of 10, but it <laughs> fades out. Songs shouldn't fade out. Uh, but we're not here to rate individual songs. We're here to rate albums. I mean, we kind of are. <laughs> we kind of are, but yeah. Uh, Bill, track five, Crab, unless you got anything else on this one. Nah, man, let's crab at that booty. Whatever the fuck that means. I think that song might be about jacking off, but I, I, I have fucking, no idea what that song's about because I can't figure out what crab means in these senses. Yeah, I don't I, understand. <laughs> so my only thought is because like it's so uh, in a 2006 fan interview. No, oh, I hate this interview. I've read this interview eight times. I don't understand. <laughs> Tell the audience. Though. Sexual frustration. A heterosexual guy's frustration, sexual frustration with a particular girl. And then okay, crab, crab, crab if, if you, you need it. She put her knickers on. And crab if crab you Crab if her. you need it. She put her pants on. She's not going to have sex with you tonight. Go ahead and jack off if you need to. Is the only possible thing that I'm getting from this especially knowing that Rivers himself said it is about sexual frustration. Is that what we're calling it now? Crap, I, crap, I, crapping. I really do think, like, the only way this makes sense to me is if crab is 
a euphemism for jacking off. That being said, I'll run with it too. This sure. is like the second song on this podcast that's pretty explicitly about a boner that we've listened to. This I one is much fucking better. Is. <laughs> this song isn't that. That's my problem. That's my problem with this song is it's one of the catchiest things on this album, and I have no idea what it means. I, uh, yeah. But you know what we do have? We've got a vocal melody guitar solo. Nice. Uh, so even if I did miss the one, like if I missed one, we're five for five. If oh, yeah. I didn't miss one and phot- Photograph didn't have it, then we are four for five on this album of vocal melody guitar solo. They're in the formula. And it's fucking good, man. I don't know. This has been r- really fun so far. The first half of that album is really good. Let's knock out the rest of this. All right. <laughs> knock it knock hey, down. Let's knock it down and drag it out. Track five. fucking ruled dude yeah that might be one of my favorite songs that fucking ruled it does suffer from um we're gonna get into it but like some of the there's a lot of negative reviews for this album and a lot of them are like the lyrics aren't deep the lyrics aren't meaningful they're blah 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 while that doesn't matter to me i feel like there's a lot of nonsense lyrics on this album and maybe that's what they're getting at. There's a lot of incomplete stories or certain phrases that just are there because they fit the syllable count. But like with the context of knowing that that's what he was going for because of what just happened with Pinkerton. I mean, yeah, but we have a song like Photograph where it really does like it's not it's about him, but it doesn't sound directly like it's about him, but everything makes sense. Well, but if you know a little bit more of the backstory of this lyric, uh, these lyrics on this song, it, it does make a little bit more sense, right? Um, I would like some, some backstory then. Oh, man. So this song <laughs> is directly uh, inspired by Green Day, one of Rivers' favorite bands. Well, that doesn't help me at all. Uh, so... Knock down, drag out. Obviously, that's not a phrase written by Weezer, nor was it a phrase written by Green Day. But can do you think of a song off of Green Day's 1997 hit Nimrod that uses this exact phrasing? No, John, you know me, and you know that I don't think about Nimrod that One much. One of the best off of Nimrod, <laughs> Worry Rock, uh, talks about a knock down, drag out. And this, is, this song is specifically you know, cited as Weezer uh, by Rivers as like a major influence for this. And I think you can fucking hear it. This is Weezer doing their Green Day formula, right? Where like he's been writing his notebooks, trying to find formulas of other songwriters. This one kind of the most on this album, especially knowing the story. If you listen to it through the lens of Weezer doing Green Day, I think it's there and it's fucking good. I mean, that wouldn't make sense why I like it musically so much. And I might have just, um, I might have just just uh, sur- surf waxed myself into this song. Uh oh. Uh oh. I think it's making a bit more sense now. Bill, what'd you do? Tell the story. Uh, well, it's, who took the surfboard to work today? Well, 
because it, it keeps doing the knockdown drag out war and then there's a line that follows it like they're waging on each other forever more it's all that i can do right now to make Did you it up think to you that somehow. wage was like wages no, like pay no, not no, like no. more. it's not that bad it's not that bad it's just i Thank think God. i think that how it's written on the lyric sheet i'm reading there should be a space in these and they're not a, the same thought process the first two lines are its own stanza and it's all that i can do to make it up to you right now is the thing the one thing he wants to be doing it isn't the previous lines we should probably just cut all of them <laughs> but okay i you refuse know, you know what these lyrics um i'm not against anymore all right i still don't know what crabbing at the booty means though yeah uh nor do i but damn that was a fun track bill we should keep going Let's. Uh, uh okay well we're gonna get into smile right after i mention that knockdown drag out did again have a vocal melody guitar solo keeps happening people uh but that being said let's get into track uh what are we seven now yeah track seven smile Bill, I missed it. I was reading and paying attention to other things. What was the guitar solo on this one like? John, yes. Just assume there is a vocal <laughs> solo on every song. It, that is the exception to the rule is that there isn't one. Okay. Yes, there's one on here too. Sweet. And once again, I can't tell if Rivers is just spouting nonsense or structuring stands as weird, but I do believe the song is about <laughs> Rivers kind of dating someone because not because they love him, but because they're just bored and want to be with anybody. And he's like, I got this. That's kind of sad. <laughs> it's very sad, but I think it is just the, um, what the last one really nails it with the, give me a chance. If you can force yourself, look at me girl and get up off your shelf. So she's just like, eh, I guess. And he's like, you wanted love? And she's like, well, yeah, but he's like, I'll make it happen. Fine. Uh, yeah. Okay. Fine. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I still really like that song on that. Oh lesson. no, it's, that still, was it's delightful. Really good. Um, I, but uh, the thing that kept hitting me on that while I was not paying attention <laughs> was how much it just feels like this album feels at this stage, incredibly formulaic. And we know that that's what Rivers has been doing in his writing. And we've we've hit on that in this show of just like, this is Weezer hitting this album at exactly what it is. Where this, so far, this listen through has so much felt to me like a band and really an individual in Rivers taking what he thought was the best of the blue album an album that got him success and notoriety and a hell of a lot of money and then just doing that as much as possible i agree except for i don't think he took what he thought was the best of the blue album i think rivers took what he thought public opinion the, the rest public, of the band rick Ocasek, a lot of the, different things the media thought was the best of the blue album right 
because I, I think, I mean, we've talked about a lot of these songs that like I'm really enjoying, but I'm not sure I've really enjoyed any of these songs more than I've enjoyed much of anything off the blue album. And if I'm going to be honest with you, I think a lot of the tracks off of this could be swapped out with holiday off of the blue album. <laughs> and it doesn't take away from blue like at all. Yeah. Right. And like, that's kind of the one that we were hitting on for that. Where it's just like, yep, like this is peak 94 Weezer right mm-hmm. here. Like it's not the best song on the album, but it's exactly what they're doing. And it, I think it just feels good. It does. It feels great. I think if you are maybe a music critic or somebody sitting down and just like, it's so quick though. Like I really can't get mad at it. Like it, it's all repetitious, but we're, we're almost done. This album's under 28 or is 28 minutes long. Like right, we got three tracks left. I really don't know. I don't know. Let's keep going. Let's get to the end of this. <laughs> Track eight, simple pages. Let's figure this out. Great tracks in, and this album fucking rips, dude. I think one of my favorite things that's happened in any of these three Weezer podcasts is kick it on back, kick it on back, kick it on back. To which I really like kick it on back. Uh, what about uh, the fucking little Buddy Holly bridge, though? Oh no, what do I do? Uh, kick it on d- back, d- kick d- it on now, back, but kick I lost it on my back, shoe. kick it on back, kick it on back. Uh, the layered uh, backing vocals at the end of the song really do kick ass. Like, there's not a lot else going on that makes it stand out from anything else on this album besides just being a solid, generic Weezer song, except I think yep. those backing vocals. Kicking on back, kicking on back, kicking on back. <laughs> yeah, that song is solid. Uh, the intro, the uh, first couple seconds sound a lot like uh, Weezer's perfect situation. So they stole from themselves. Uh, um, John, I'm in the year 2001 and I don't know what you're talking about. You're right. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> we'll talk about that on the make believe episode. Wait, what's make believe? Um, but Bill, that, that's a Weezer song. That's a good Weezer song. I think, I, I mean, I could just reiterate what I hit on on the last track, but no, I think we're good. Let's get to, it's just Weezer doing Weezer, man. Let's get to the next Weezer doing Weezer song. Glorious day. Track nine. Any, any song that isn't, like, about um, I want the girl to come back to me or the girl should love me instead, it's just about feeling good and, like, happy vibes. Yeah. And I, I totally just nothing lyrics. But I also don't feel like it's completely fabricated. They're coming off of a Warp Tour and a Japanese tour that revitalized how they feel about the music they're making. Right. So with that in mind gonna take my chance gonna rock and dance gonna hit the ground with a brand new sound looking for romance that's that's a lyric that's actually at the time 
what's going on for these dudes. Yeah. So as like as as nothing and as boring and as generic as that sounds, like eh. exactly. But I, I do think I do think this is the worst song on the album. That's just my opinion. And Which is saying I mean, something it's, it's, because it's just a very it like it, it, my note on that song was that is a Weezer song. Yes, and as far as Weezer song goes, I think it's the lesser on this album of mm-hmm. all the other songs. Yeah, um, you know, I'm I'm probably inclined to agree with you, but we'll get back to that once we get to the review section okay, okay. of this album. Uh, Bill, we just got one left. Wonderful. Let, let's get to this so we can. Uh, Wrap up how this album came out and how we ended up with our nice green self-titled album. Yeah. Um, so by the end of this track, I mean, y'all will only be listening to the, you know, 20 second clips we throw in. Um, but we will have wrapped up Bill a nice and tight 28 minute, 34 second album. I fucking love that for it's 10 great. tracks. It's the shortest Weezer album as of 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, we let's keep an eye out. Let's see if anything's shorter than this. Okay, because yeah, I mean, twenty eight thirty four. That's, that's that's quick. That's tight. Keeping it tight. Track ten. Oh, girlfriend. So I feel like that came out of nowhere. It's that song was everything that Weezer is, but that came out of nowhere on this album for me. It lyrically, it is back to Pinkerton. It's the, it seems like the one risk that it's a true story about uh, a breakup he was going through while making this album. And it, it's also so right in line with everything that they're doing. It is the last track on the album being, you know, the somewhat ballady, very heavy one. I mean, like, we've got an Only in Dreams and then Butterfly and then Oh Girlfriend. Like, all very different songs and albums with, but I think they're all great album enders. God damn. That one kind of kicked me in the teeth on that listen right now. Huh. It's a good one. It, wow. It's definitely one of the best songs on the album, if not the best. But. Yeah, there's like really not much. The uh, a lot of these lyrics come from apparently Rivers was dating a woman who lived at the bottom of the hill that he lived on the top of, and every day when he'd leave, he'd drive by her house, and then when they were still dating, he'd stop by on the way home and they'd mm-hmm. hang out. Yep. So problem is when you break up with somebody and they don't move, and you still have to drive it's in by the middle their house, of your commute that sucks ass every yeah. day. Kind of started to get to him, and I think that is probably really inspiring to write this fucking song. Well, I mean, it's inspiring enough to write a few songs, actually. Um, oh. Because Oh, Girlfriend is about this girl. It's the same girl that inspired the uh, 2000 song, Oh, Girl. That sounds like a cop-out, but okay. Yeah, likewise. Also the same girl that inspired the 2016 white album Weezer song, do you want to get high? Wow. All right. So we're going to be coming back to uh Well, and we've got, we've got pill references in this, right? Yeah, you we know? do. And I mean, as we just talked about before with Hashpipe, that's part, it was part of his songwriting routine. 
pop a pill, do some shots, write a song. Huh. Not dissimilar to how we record this podcast. Wow. Bill, that was an experience that was, uh, I, I mean, I, before we break down this album, there is a fucking difference when we sit here and listen to an album, you and I together on good headphones and talking about it. Yes. Then I have with the same album listening to it in my car. Correct. Um, I agree. And every time it hits. So, wow. I'm, I'm coming in hot to the end section of this podcast. But before <laughs> we get into ratings, we should probably calm down yeah, and we, talk about everything that happened after the Green Album dropped on May 15th, 2001. When this album drops, Bill, it has an album cover, as they typically do. And this one really is just driving home, we're doing Blue Album again. Right, we're going back to basics here. And those basics are four dudes standing in front of a color with the name Weezer over it. Yes, um, and and I did read that apparently this actually was a tribute to Rick Ocasek. Like, they decided to do this cover because they got Rick Ocasek back. Oh, that's sweet. Um, where it's just like, you know, because he's coming back, he's doing this album again, we're kind of, you know, we sonically want to kind of go back to what we were doing more on the Blue album, so we're going to do this. Uh, it wasn't initially green, though. I wouldn't believe Rivers' story about this if there wasn't photographic evidence. Uh, they tried, They sent... It was supposed to be white first, right? It was supposed to be white, yes. But so, then they sent him a bunch of different colored ones. Because he wanted to just see a bunch of different ones. But originally, it was going to be the same photo of the four band members, but instead of the lime green background and the white font, it was going to be a white background with a different font entirely. Uh, but he took a bunch of these printouts, apparently, to a record store, most reasonably Tower Records, where he used to work. This is still um, the part where I wouldn't believe him if there weren't pictures. Right, totally. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, sure you did, Rivers. And apparently he just kind of like held them up against the shelf of the record store to see which one looked the best, just sitting up there. And then Rivers decided on this lime green variant. I mean, it definitely pops. There's like not a lot of albums with that color as the main main color for sure right and we've seen other bands do similar types of things before um you know to get this record store just to get eyes on your record um you know eels a favorite band of mine um eels is one of your favorite bands i fucking love eels uh <laughs> i did not know that their name eels is to show up as the very first thing in e pretty solid like it, if you have double letters and things like that like it kind of helps out and does that so it's just like yeah if you're in e eels um, um so oh, the sure. bright green just to kind of pop out on a shelf like yeah if they we if i didn't have that photo that you're talking of with like all the different yeah, colors and variations mm -hmm. um it would kind of sound like horseshit but i i buy it i totally fucking buy it yeah checks out um another throwback to well not throwback another statement of we are throwing it back is the italian that i don't think either of us should try to pronounce that is inside the liner notes ah uh, yes there is uh a quote from an italian, an italian opera writer which surprise surprise we now know rivers is obsessed with giuseppe verdi i believe Yes, and um, what does it translate to? Sorry, I don't translate to. Right 
Let us return to old times, and that will be progress. Which is this album. That's that's it. Oh, 100%. Like, um, that's the response to Pinkerton flopping that this album is. Yeah, it's like, okay, we'll do the old thing again. We'll make it different, and we're going to just keep doing that for the next uh, 20 years. Huh, okay. Let us return to old times, and that will be progress. Ah, fuck it, let me try it. Toriamo alantiso y sara un progresso. Is that offensive? Should we cut that? We might have to edit that out. Right, if we have any listeners in Italy or anywhere where that was, uh, you know, understandable. Um, the album's also dedicated to Michael and Carly, as was... Um, Wow, he really is out of the band. I already forgot the guy's name. Matt Sharp's. Sharp, fuck's sake. Matt Sharp's Rentals album that uh, Rivers helped work on is also dedicated to Michael and Carly Allen. Okay. Um, and yeah, coming up in the next episode as well, we're going to have other things in 2001, very Michael and Carly related. Um, so those girls have not. I mean, nothing. They haven't had a chance to do anything for them since their deaths. Yeah. This is the first chance. Yep. Um, so yeah. We've got this album dedicated to Michael and Carly, and that made me sad again. You brought them up twice on this episode. <laughs> Maybe the other one I think was a lot more sad. <sighs> okay, well, let's get less less sad because this yeah, album had uh, singles and yeah. music videos. Let's get some sumo wrestlers up in here. Okay, uh, the number one single for this album in the U.S. at least was Hashpipe. As we already covered, Rivers fought for it, and I think it's a great move. I think it is an absolutely great move. I think it's, uh, you know, the two biggest hits on this album uh, in Hashpipe and Island in the Sun sound the least like the rest of this album, but both of them are very quintessential Weezer songs. They're mm. songs that are very much like their core Weezer, uh, but they, they're they very far off from what the rest of the album is for the most part. They are, and they're also pretty much opposites of each other on this album. Oh, polar opposites. Hashpipe's probably the heaviest song, and then Island in the Sun is so light and airy. I, I wouldn't even say polar opposites on this album. I would say polar opposites in the Weezer ultimate catalog. catalog of Weezer, yeah. Um, but, we're, all right, first we're talking about Hashpipe. Uh, this video is... Again, a return to form from Blue. It's fun. It's eye-catching. It's not that boring shit Rivers forced them to do during Pinkerton. Yeah, so directed by Marco Siega, uh, he got one directive for this uh, video, much like Spike Jones got one directive for Undone, was I don't want a video that references the fucking lyrics. Yeah, and they definitely nailed it because for the most part, this video is just some sumo wrestlers pushing each other's out of circles, doing sumo things, mostly in slow motion. Mm -hmm. uh, I do believe if I read it right, um, there are some actual sumo wrestlers featured in the video, but they did just do a casting call for large Asian just, just big guys. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, one fun note I don't want to get into too much. Brian Bell does a dance move that Weezer fans know as the impossible bend. Uh, it's got in its own entry on Weezerpedia that is a lot of fun because it's entirely a joke. I don't think it looks like, yeah, hell. no, we got the, we, we should try that out for one of our videos. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, that sounds awful, but I'll do it for the show. Uh, uh, it, Marcos Siega also directed a music video for a band, The Crystal Method, uh, also in 2001, in which Rivers and one of the sumos from the Hashpipe oh. video make a cameo. Um, 
Um, Wait, what Crystal Method song? That, that, uh, that's murder. Just, you know murder. it's hard. Yep. I wonder if that's a, is that the song with the breakdancing noses? No idea. Okay, well, we'll get into that later. But yeah, apparently Rivers in one of the sumos uh, does make a cameo in that video, so that's fun. Uh, then Marco Siega was actually invited back to direct another video uh, for the you know biggest Weezer hit off of this album, Island in the Sun. Yeah, um, it's a really, much like a lot of songs on this album, it's a really feel-good video. It uh, takes place at a wedding in a backyard. The Mexican wedding video is how it's referred to. Mm-hmm. It's a blast. There's nothing crazy. There's nothing really super eye-catching like the slow-mo sumo wrestlers. Oh, that's fun to say. But it's not a bad video. It's it's really not a bad video, but um, I don't think I'm alone in saying that that's not the video that I remember for that song. No, and it wouldn't be for most people. The executives at MTV hated it, which I don't understand. It's not a bad video, but they... It's really not. It's a fun one executives at MTV hated it. They pulled it from airplay and they said, give us a new video. And, uh, it, it might not, might not seem like it nowadays, but MTV had power. Um, 2001 is kind of starting to be the downfall of the power MTV used to hold, mm-hmm. but they had it at the time. They could just say, we're not playing your video and your album would tank. So they call up our good friend, friend of the pod. <laughs> Spike Jones. Stop saying people are friends of the pod. I refuse, Bill. Spike Jones is back, who directed the sweater song, Undone Sweater Song, and Buddy Holly video. He made a really simple video that is very eye-catching and really fun to look at, which seems to be what he does. And from what I understand, he was also given a pretty simple directive with this one, was just because they were looking for just a better video than what for some reason the Mexican wedding was not good enough. Um, apparently he was brought in and was just told just Weezer with the animals. And he's like, yeah, and that's what I it can is. Direct this. Um, it kind of looks like it's in like a Savannah, but it's actually really close to LA. They just kind of drove a little bit far out. Yeah. Just outside of LA, they get, uh, some wild animals. I mean, some, what we got like a chimpanzee. Yeah, There's like cute baby animals, cats. cute little bears. Um, yeah, some wild cats. There is a full-size brown bear, though, at one point, and I really want a full story of this, and I can't find it anywhere. Rivers is sitting on the ground. The brown bear walks past the screen, leaves screen, doubles back around behind Rivers, and sniffs his neck. It and does not look happy The way that Rivers reacts to this giant animal, like, sniffing on his neck, he just bolts up, stands straight up, and looks... It's like a scene from a from a jackass movie when like you know like you can push those guys really far but when you push them too far they they break yep that's what it took for rivers to break yeah um but yeah it's rivers it's brian bell and it's patrick wilson hanging out with cute animals and it was a rousing success and it is played a lot wait i'm sorry can you relist that cast of characters yeah yeah it's uh rivers cuomo brian bell patrick wilson a baby chimpanzee, baby chimpanzee, and they're making a video together. Bill, we're missing somebody. Where's uh, Mikey Welsh? Mikey Welsh is not in the video for Island in the Sun. He's not in the second video for Island in the Sun. Huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, uh, at this point in time. Um, I, th- I think this whole thing's going to have to be tackled later. I think we need to keep cruising. 
because another single is released. The last single in the U.S., the first single in Japan, Photograph. And there is a video for a photograph. Yeah, and we've seen one of these before. This is another uh, Carl Cook video that's uh, tour footage. Um, Ooh, but this time he got a new digital camera, and he fucking loves that thing. No, and it, and it looks much, much better than the last ones. But honestly, when we've got some of the audio that's spliced in for no reason, uh, <laughs> like I don't need to hear over the music video for the song, like Pat Wilson just yeah, laughing as he writes it. That's a thing that happened. Well, yeah, because it's Rivers Cuomo, it's uh, Brian Bell, it's Patrick Wilson, it's Scott Schreiner, and it's just a bunch of toy footage of uh, Weezer. Sorry, again, Bill? Cast of characters? It's, you know, it's Rivers Cuomo, it's Brian Bell, it's uh, Patrick Wilson, and uh, Scott Schreiner playing bass and singing back of vocals on tour for the Green Album. And who the fuck is that guy? Okay, we're, now, we're just going to get back gonna, into this on the touring yeah. episode, yeah. Uh, so, Mikey Wells, Scott Schreiner, that happens. We're going to talk about it in depth later. A bass player switch-up is about to happen. Yeah. Mike, Mikey Welsh, pretty much right to where we got to of the release of the album. It's not in the band for much longer, but we do want to go in depth on it, so we will cover that in our touring episode. Yes, so the final note that we will have on Photograph is uh, it is the last official Weezer release with Mikey on it uh, because it's you know released after the album as a single. Yeah, uh, It is the first music video featuring Scott Schreiner. That it is. We'll hit on that whole situation much more in depth uh, two episodes from now when we tour green. Yeah. But to tour green, we need to release green. We need to sell green and God damn, do we sell green? Oh, we sold the shit out of green. Uh, so yeah, this album drops on May 15th, 2001. Um, and it sold like fucking hotcakes, dude. My God, this one, uh, so blue went double platinum in a year. Yes. Right. Which is a lot of sales. Oh yeah. This went platinum by September 13th. Yeah, four months this went platinum. In contrast, Pinkerton took, took 20, 20 years, years to go platinum. Um, and, so, and, you know, hey, that being said, uh, green still has not gone double platinum in the way the blue has. True. Uh, so it sold very hot very quickly and I mean, it's petered a, off pretty much immediately. It's enough for the label to say, yeah, okay. Good. You you can do that again. This was absolutely the quote unquote return to form that the label was looking for from Weezer. I, I think we both loved Pinkerton and don't think it was a deviation from the form. But when you go from double platinum in a year to selling like absolute shit to then going That's back to single. platinum in four months. Yeah. You know, the label's happy. Yep. No. Definitely Nailed happy. Um, review wise. It was mostly pretty good. It is. It is a mostly positive review. It's like when you talk to fans nowadays, there's a lot of hate for green for things we talked about. Very simple lyrics, not a lot of emotion, very repetitive. The album does totally suffer from a lot of sameness. Um, it does feel like, a, honestly, like it feels like a kind of a collection of just Weezer singles or Weezer B-sides more than like an actual cohesive album a lot of times so like some of that criticism is reasonable I kind of disagree with that uh, but but what uh, what we can say something that you noticed that I'm going to take credit for right now was that uh, anybody yes. that was giving Pinker, Pinkerton good reviews and gave Green bad reviews 
kind of started the trend of Weezer put out two good albums. Yeah, so that was interesting. I found NME and Pitchfork were two of the outlets that uh, really didn't like Green when it came out compared to everyone else. And with Pinkerton, they were a, like kind of just in line with everyone else. So I'm not really here to say that like, you know, they were right about Pinkerton initially because they were somewhat in line with the mixed reviews. They weren't higher than anybody else, really. But the fact that they, you know, rated green so harshly right then and there uh, and knowing that they went back years later and like re-reviewed Pinkerton as a 10 yeah. makes me think that those two outlets may have been some of the earlier Pinkerton sympathizers, uh, at least in the mainstream media of music at this point. Yeah, let's keep an eye on it because kind of the whole part of the journey we're going on is to figure out if there is this much of a dip in Weezer and that would be starting now for a lot of people. Right. Um, but, I mean, it, it, it was, we got to talk about how we feel exactly, about this. Exactly, we're at that point. Where, how, how, did, how did how we do feel you? about that right then? Because that was... It was a very interesting 28 minutes and 34 seconds for me. Um, may I go first, John? Please do. Okay. I am teetering between two numbers. And uh, Hashpipe was the first Weezer song I ever heard. This is the first Weezer album I ever bought. For the sake of keeping it interesting, I'm going to let nostalgia take me a little bit further on no, this you one. you can't. That's not how the rating system works, Bill. Our numbers have meaning. Okay, fine. I'll leave nostalgia and then I'll give it a seven out of ten. Nostalgia was gonna give me two and eight, but okay. Okay. But so and and just to clarify, seven, you're gonna leave it as a seven, which is this album is in your regular rotation. And it you're is. not gonna give it an eight, which would be you recommend this album to friends. And you stand behind that? You wanna give it a seven, not an eight? I think I would recommend it if it weren't for a handful of lyrics that I'm like, yeah, that's stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're Crab right. Grab at the booty. You're Bill. right. Crab at the booty and get the eight. You're right. Crab's really bad. Maybe I shouldn't have given you this album. Yeah, I'll stick with seven. Okay. Um, Come on, John. I have to go with a six on this one. Ooh, okay. Um, I don't think green will ever hit my regular rotation. Because to me, after you get past Hashpipe, the album doesn't go downhill, but the album plateaus mm. in a way that, like, I disagree, doesn't get me into regular rotation status. So, um, I, br I brought up earlier that, like, one of these songs could have just, like, replaced Holiday on Blue. Yes. I feel like that about eight of the 10 songs on this album. <laughs> the other two are Hashpipe and Island in the Sun. That does not a bad Weezer album make. True, true. But uh, with the, the half halfway past the album, you still get Knocked Down, Drag Out, and No Girlfriend are on the back half of this. I God, think, it, those songs are so I think it keeps attention very well. Man, um... I mean, I, I think I want to revisit this because, like, this is one of the toughest ratings. Not even just, uh on this Weezer show, but on <laughs> any of our shows we've ever done, Bill. I think rating the Green Album right now, like a six feels disingenuous. A seven, to me, feels 
almost a little bit greedy, but I think you're not at all wrong. I think an eight definitely feels like you're letting nostalgia get into That's it. That's what I was going to let take me, take me over. Well, John, it is our show. We can revisit ratings at any point. We could do a whole special covering the first five albums again. I mean, I think we might have to do that. Like by the time we're done with this, they're going to have their 20th album out, right? Like <laughs> we, we totally agree with that. So I think every five, we should do a very special. That's just kind of like, yeah, you know, where are we at at 25% of the way through Weezer? That'd be fun. I like that. Um, and then when we finish this show 30 years from now, or I die of emphysema first, um, Bill, there's so much Weezer. There's so much Weezer. Um, so they're going to continue touring right after this gets released. We're going to talk about that touring two episodes from now. Next week, next episode, sorry. We are a bi-weekly show. Yeah, I don't, don't fuck me up with that at ending <laughs> schedule, Bill. I can't do this every week. Next episode, we'll be covering the years in review from um, 1999, 2000, 2001. Yeah, okay. So 99 through 01 of our... Uh, Weezer, I love the 90s slash now we're getting into the aughts, so that's fun. Um, then we'll get back on a tour. Bill, we got a lot to jump into. We do, we do. Um, and just quick roundup of where other bands are at right now. Green Day's headlining over Weezer. They're headlining that festival. Blink-182's about to hit their peak, uh, their number one yeah. album. that The first number one album they have comes out in, I think it's 01, Take Off Your Pants and Jackets. So they're going to be... Much bigger than Weezer right now. Um, Offspring's kind of going to chill out. Um, Metallica's going to hit their legend status soon. They're about to get uh, Jose Trujillo on bass, and that's going to give them a whole other realm of popularity. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, Weezer is back. They're not on top of the world, but they're they're in the conversation. I mean, kind of at this point, they're sitting at where they're kind of sitting at right now, which is... Yeah, that's true. Definitely not in the conversation for top or even really top five in on most days. But it's what rock band is going to sell out the amphitheater. Yeah. Who can fill a festival stage? And Weezer's fucking doing it. Yeah. Um, all right. Bill, you got anything else? No, I do not, John. Bill? Yes, John. Are you a Weezer fan? Yeah. Fuck yeah, I am. I think Fuck so. yeah, I am at I this point. Not. Fuck you. Uh, Bill, where can people find us? You can check us out on Twitter or X at AYAWF Pod or just search Are You a Weezer Fan? And we are on TikTok and Instagram at Are You a Weezer Fan? All right. Uh, yeah, and don't forget, you can also find us on Patreon. That link is going to be in the description if you want to uh, support us and get some fun bonus content where we listen to pretty much exclusively non Weezer music. Uh, We still talk about Weezer, though. It happens. Um, Yeah, we'll see you next time.